This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Agua. On this edition of the Rick Sanchez Latitude podcast, what's it like to be a Latino producer in Hollywood? You and I had a conversation in a recent podcast about CNN Plus, otherwise known as Anderson Cooper's Missing Tie Saga. I'm Anderson Cooper. And I'm Anderson Cooper Plus, and we have a new show on CNN Plus that's a little more relaxed. So we don't have to wear that blue tie all the time. I like this tie. I know. Makes her eyes pop. And that, (laughs) that in a nutshell, is what CNN thinks of its viewers. It's really so stupid. Which is why they give you a former game show host giggling about his tie and expect you to accept that as credible news programming, which it's not. Because it's stupid that a grown man giggles like a 13-year-old girl meeting Justin Bieber for the first time. By the way, for those of you thinking this is some kind of right-wing rant, Fox News in primetime is an even bigger shit show with even more fake news people passing off marketing campaigns as news programming. And then there's MSNBC. Let's lean forward. Yeah, that's a great idea. (laughs) They say, what? They want you to lean over? Go ahead, just a little more. Right. Like, we don't know what's going on back there. So, because I happen to be a Latino American, I know this. None of those guys really give a crap about me. To them, we barely exist. Latinos, that is. And that's the reality that they draw up for the rest of America. MSNBC's reality is simple. Don't take my word for it. Go ahead, turn on the TV tonight and and see it for yourself. You know what you're going to see? You're going to see some elitist white dude or elitist white woman talking to a panel of mostly African-Americans. And what are they bitching about? White people. They're racist passing. These violent, uh, uh, racist white nationalist groups. The avowed white nationalist conference. I don't know if they call themselves that. Mr. Carlson has constructed what may be the most racist show in the history of cable news. The racist policies. Deep race, racist policing policies across the country. President Trump's comments and behaviors have been racist. It's racist and terrible stuff. And then there's Fox News. What's their reality? There you're going to see mostly white men and women talking with mostly other white men and women. And what are they bitching about? Black people and other minorities. The Democratic Party is trying to replace the current electorate with new people, more obedient voters from the third world. Black Lives Matter, which is a Marxist anarchist organization. You have kids that don't speak English in classes, taking time and energy away from your kids. The real racists are the people who want to brainwash your child so that they feel guilty about being born white. Sending this message that we're not going to take our immigration law seriously. More women are going to be raped. More children are going to die. Police officers are almost always saving black lives from black on black crime. The majority of immigrants are on welfare. We keep marrying other species and other ethnics. Finns marry other Finns, so they have a pure society. In America, we marry everybody. Oh, and LeBron and Kevin, shut up and dribble. 
Pick your poison, America. Go ahead. Pick your poison. While Rome burns and real stories go uncovered, that is what you're going to hear night after night on cable news. Who hates whom most? Yuck. Latinas and Latinos, we have no place in either camp. Which is why this podcast exists. Yep, I'm Rick Sanchez, and I've been in the media almost my entire life. But what I'm really good at, you know what I'm really good at? Is getting fired. You're fired! (laughs) For telling the truth. So now I'm doing this podcast. So I can tell the truth, and the only person who can really fire me is me. Or you. Okay, we talked about news programming. Now let's talk about something else. I want to talk about Hollywood. Because that is where our reality, or should I say false realities, that's where they're really created. I'm going to bring on, in just a little bit, you're going to meet him, a real honest-to-goodness Hollywood producer who happens to be Latino. I think you're going to like him. But let me share some facts and some stats with you first. You know, the kind of facts and stats that I happen to think matter most. New study. This study just came out, and I want to share it with you. It's called the Annenberg Study, done at USC, University of Southern California. It was done to try and figure out how much or how little Latinas or Latinos are included in Hollywood and how they are presented to the world. Are you ready, vatos? Dale. Vamos. Here it is. In the last 12 years, according to this study, there have been roughly 47,000 speaking or named characters in Hollywood. Those are really the only ones that matter, right? Everything else is just extras. So 47,000 parts available. Of those 47,000, you know how many went to Latinas or Latinos in Hollywood? About 4%. Cuatro, four. And as far as leading roles go, right? The good gigs. You know how many went to Latinas or Latinos? Three. Three. By the way, the study also found that those numbers are actually trending down, even though the number of Latinos in America are trending up. Como es posible, right? How the hell can that happen? Latinos right now are practically a fifth of the population of the United States. You probably know that. 3%? When they're 20%? Give me a break. Por favor. What's next? Just... Erase this all together? <laughs> okay, so we talked about raw numbers. Now let's look beneath those numbers. Using qualitative analysis, the Annenberg study, you know, these smart guys over at USC, uh, they looked at stereotyping. And here's what they found. 25% of the times that a Latina or Latino is presented on the screen when you're watching a movie or when you're watching a television show, of the times, the way they're presented is as, are you ready? A criminal. Wait, why are we cheering? Oh, because as my dad would say, well, at least he got a job, right? At least he's working. Well, I guess so, dad. But you know, criminals, let's continue. What else did the study find? You're going to like this one too. Not just criminals. In 17% of all Latino speaking parts, the character is portrayed as a poor person. In other words, somebody who's not successful. So we're either criminals or losers, right? Thank you, Hollywood. Muchas gracias. Hmm, 
Think about what message that sends. Because if that's the way people see us every time they watch a movie or turn on the TV, what are they going to think when they see us in real life? Exactly. What effect does it have on our children about their own self-image? Exactly. You see, these are really important numbers. And this study's legit. And it wasn't done by a bunch of pinche pendejos trying to come up with some BS. Nor was it done by Latinos who happen to have an agenda. You know how I know this wasn't done by Latinos? This is how. They call this report the Latinx Community Study. Think about that word, Latinx. See, that proves to me that the people who did this report are not Latinos. They're white Anglo-European Americans, right? Because I've yet to meet a Mexican or an Argentinian or a Colombian or a Puerto Rican or a Venezuelan who refers to himself that way. I've yet to meet somebody who's Latino who refers to themselves as Latinx. I mean, that's a term non-Latinos, especially academics and media types use to describe Latinos. It is not a term Latinos use to describe themselves. In fact, it's pretty much a bullshit and completely unnecessary word. But again, the decision to deploy it was made without what? Wait for it. Without us being asked without us being included in the decision. Damn, that happens a lot, doesn't it? Back to Hollywood, a place where half of the people in the surrounding community are Hispanic. Think about that. Have you been to LA? Yet, as you heard, fewer than 5% of Latinos get the good gigs. They're almost half the population of the area where the jobs are, and they're getting 5% of the jobs. So what's it like to be a Latino director? or producer there in Hollywood. And what happens? Key question. What happens if you complain? I'm joined now by um, Jeff Valdez, who is a Hollywood producer. In fact, not just a Hollywood producer. He is the executive producer of The Garcias. It's a hit show, and you could watch it right now if you want. Go over to HBO Max, and you could watch The Garcias. And it's cool, and it's real, and it actually presents Latinos. <laughs> You're not going to believe this, but it's so weird. It actually presents Latinos as Latinos really are. In life, we meet lots of really different characters. None more unique and interesting than the characters that make up what we call our family. I'm really feeling the feels of mi gente, the people of Mexico. George, you know you're half Puerto Rican. Yeah. So it's really cool. And Jeff's good enough to join us. Jeff, thanks for being with us. I, I got I to share something with my audience. Back when I was fired by CNN, one of the first people I flew out to visit with was Jeff Valdez. And when I hung out with Jeff, he kind of consoled me and made me feel better about what I was going through. Although I have to share that I don't know if it was as much about Jeff's company as it was the cigars and the scotch. But in the end, I did feel better. I want you to know that. I think the cigars and scotch had a little bit to do with it, but uh, that's that's who we are, Latinos. And it's probably tequila, maybe not scotch, but anyway. Either way, it was a great night. How are you, man? Are you good? I'm well. We are we are cranking over here. It's like, you know, we got two new episodes premiere this Thursday, every Thursday. You know, we we are busy as, as they can be right now. You know, I don't think there's a better person that we can talk to about this topic because you've been talking for years about the fact that Hollywood and television and media in general in the United States tends to 
misrepresent or not represent Latinos. Why has it taken Hollywood this long to catch up with the fact that Latinos are 20% of the population of the United States? Well, for, somebody asked me this question the other day. They said, do you think it's when you did the first Garcia's, do you think things have improved now to this new one? And I said, well, when I did the first Garcia's, Latino representation in, in front of and behind the camera was anywhere between 2 and 5%, right? And, and the first Garcia's, we're over 90%, right? And jump to 21 years later, Latino representation is between 2 and 5%, and we are over 90%. So either we're geniuses or somebody's not trying very hard. So you can't ask yourself that question anymore because there's no answer other than they're just, they just don't want to. Uh, here, here's the thing. I will say part of it is when you do a show, for example, you're in a hurry. You have a very short amount of time. To, it's like building a company in a matter of weeks. We went from five people to 165 people in like less than a month. Hmm. So imagine staffing up a company. So you, you just go out and you start buying resumes. Right. And, and with, what happens is, in particular, with talent, you can't buy resumes because young actors come in to read for me and their, their resume said, you know, gang member number three, gang member number 14, gang member number 87, you know, and, and you're like. And that's because most of the actors in Hollywood are typecast as what you just said. Yes. So I, I told our casting director, I said, I don't want to see anybody's resumes. I want them to come in and I want to judge them based on their skills. And, and, you know, and a lot of people are like, oh, well, it's like affirmative action. You guys getting, no, it's not. Everybody that worked on this show had skills, period. Some people had more experience than others, but everybody had skills. Nobody got a job because they were Latino. They got a job because they were qualified. And does Hollywood not give people jobs because they're qualified when it comes to Latinos? Look at the results and a answer the question yourself. I mean, most media companies have maybe one Latino on the board of directors, the very high level, maybe one or two senior executives in the C-suite, uh, oftentimes almost no showrunners. In comedy, we're almost invisible. I can count the Latino comedy showrunners on one hand, literally, out of an industry of people. Uh, you know, I, I've tried to find a Latino lawyer, and I can't find one in the entertainment business. There are no Latino lawyers in the entertainment business to speak of. Not because they don't exist, but rather because they're not hired by the firms. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Well, how could that be possible? Last time I checked, Hollywood is in California, and California is a state with probably the highest number of Latinos in all of the United States. So do they not see them? Well, you know, funny you ask that because a dear friend of mine, Dolly Tombo, mm -hmm. is, he lived in exile with his father fighting apartheid. And here's a guy who lived in exile fighting apartheid while his, his partner's father, a guy named Nelson Mandela, was in prison. And his father, O.R. Tombo, fought. He was the first black president of the ANC. And, and, and Dolly's like, Jeffrey, how is this possible? This is a guy who's from South Africa who spent his whole childhood living in a house fighting apartheid. And he's like, how is it possible Latinos are, you know, the majority of the population in California, but invisible in media, where that's where the industry's at. And by the way, our politicians need to step up too, because they have the levers of power that can really make change. 
I mean, Ron DeSantis, I'm, I'm not a fan of his, but the way he's really pressuring Disney right now, I think for the wrong reason about why he's doing it. But in California, they have a tremendous amount of power with tax incentives and with a lot of things. And they're not they're not doing it. And they need to. Is there a tendency sometimes amongst Latinos to want to settle for less than what they really deserve? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we, for a long time, even the word Monday, like in Spanish, Monday means, you know, at your request. I, I'm here to serve you. And all my black friends are like, you guys need to raise a little more hell. You know, I remember during the whole Black Lives Matter thing, you know, I remember a sign says, silence is violence. Right? You know, and you can apply that to, you know, uh, all so many things. But in our community, you know, by us not, by us being silent is not, you know, people can't read your mind. You have to let them know that this is wrong and this is what's going on. I can tell you for a while I was blackballed in this town because I dared to speak up and say, no, this is, this is, and again, I was hmm. like, guys, this, I'm not saying this to, to piss you off. I'm saying this to help you make more money. I want you to make more money. And, and by the way, and if I make more money in the process, everybody's a winner, right? Uh, Hans Versberg, who uh, is the, uh, the CEO of Verizon, three years ago at, at a conference by the LDC, said in front of a group of Latinos, he said, there were two people at that conference. There was uh, uh, Steve Forbes, who said, U.S. Latinos are the cavalry that will come to the rescue of the American economy, which was a relevant point. And two, uh, Hans Versberg said, if your business does not embrace the U.S. Latino market, in the next 10 years, you won't have a business. That was three years ago. So clock is ticking. What's it feel like to be blackballed in Hollywood? You don't know it. You, you just suddenly you're going, I can't get an agent. I can't get uh, a call returned. I, you know, you're going, oh, my God, I, I'm like uh, so weird. I mean, after the Brothers Garcia, I, I, had, I had produced showrun 50 shows and I couldn't get an agent. I couldn't get a meeting with an agent after I was a showrunner on a hit show on Nickelodeon for 50 shows. And even friends that are in the business, are, they just kind of like, hey, man, how are you? I'm like, and I asked somebody, I said, am, am I blackballed? They changed the subject, right? So it's like, it's a weird thing. Because you spoke the truth, because you complained. And I just said, there's this huge audience. I was preaching this audience when I first got to LA and people would think I was crazy. And now they don't think I'm crazy. Now a lot of people go, I remember when you were talking about that. And like, yeah, but you didn't listen then either. It's hard because one of the things, you know, I talked with my wife about this the other day. And, and I, I said, I, I don't want to be an activist. I really don't. I don't want to be the guy that talks about why these people aren't doing this and what they're missing. With the, I just want to make shows. That's all I want to do. I want to make people laugh. I can't tell you how many people have seen the Garcias, and not just Latinos, but black, white, everybody. And they say, I saw myself in your show. I saw my family in your show, right? Because TV has gotten so dark. The only stuff we can watch our families are, are animated movies. Other than that, I don't know that I can name too many shows that you would want your five-year-old to watch. When I watched that episode where one of the characters was resisting her mother-in-law, from allowing her children to be baptized, and they finally were able to come to a truce. And you, in that moment, playing the role of a priest, jumped into that cenote. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Felicidades, mi amor. 
I cried, and I did so in front of my daughter and my wife because it reminded me of one of the things that we went through. Latinos in the United States, we're mixed into America. My wife is a hillbilly girl from Georgia who's a Southern Baptist, and we went through that, and it wasn't easy, and we had to resolve some things, and you captured that, and that's part of the Latino and American experience. So I, I thank you for, for that. It was a special moment for me and, and for my family when we watched that. Let me ask you a question. This is really important. Do you think that part of the reason the media and Hollywood tend to shut out or not recognize Latinos is because of that undercurrent of um, nasty palaver and negative commentary about Latinos in the United States right now? I always tell people, look, I mean, whether you like him or hate him, Donald Trump didn't create Donald Trump, right? Hollywood created Donald Trump. My kids were were not born to hate anybody. Like, you know, and and growing up in our house, they were taught to love everybody. And, and, you know, I would tell them, look, if you're straight, if you're gay, if your girlfriends, any, you know, my kids, their girlfriends have been, uh, you know, Vietnamese and, and black and white and everything in between. And, and I have absolutely, and I've mm-hmm. told them, you know, if you come home and say that I'm gay, I'm trans, what, you, this is your home and you were loved here. So, so all that happens at home. But I will tell you this, I remember when they were about five and eight, they walked in the living room one day and my wife and I were watching a, a, like a, an action movie and they saw a black and a Latino character and at five and eight, they said, oh, we can guess who's going to, black and a Latino. They said, we can guess who's going to die first. They knew it at five and eight. And they said it like in this sarcastic way. And guess what? Who Guess who died first, right? And then jump to this last weekend, my wife and I were watching a show and Jay Hernandez was in it. And I looked at my wife and said, Jay, let me see if I can guess who's going to die first. You know, and he was a dirty cop. And then he gets, you know, and then he gets killed, right? So... If you constantly see us climbing a wall, and by the way, even when if I turned on Rachel Maddow and she would be pro-immigration, and she, but the visual accompanying visual was of people climbing over a wall. So if I don't have the TV on and I see people yes. climbing over a wall, that's setting the, 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 the narrative in my brain. So those nightly narratives of not American, and it's I've asked several friends, I said, what do you think the percentage of undocumented Latinos are in this country? And the average answer I get is 50%. And the real answer is like five or 7%, right? And and most of them aren't even from Mexico. So until the news mm-hmm. changes that narrative, Hollywood hears that narrative. And by the way, most people in decision-making positions live on the west side of town where I live. And their only exposure to Latinos are the people that, by the way, mow their lawn, clean their houses, and raise their kids, right? We're good enough to raise the kids, but we should be able to raise, uh, you know, some some shows up onto the air and, and lift ourselves up. And with, with great power comes great responsibility, right? And I would say to any executive, you have a fiduciary obligation to your shareholders. And if you think your shareholders are only white, you would be very incorrect. You have a very diverse group of shareholders. You have an audience that is the only top-line growth opportunity for any media company. Literally top-line. You don't have to merge and cut jobs and scale back costs. You can actually grow your business with this audience, which is 
like we're out there screaming top line growth, top line growth, top line growth. Get it? You and I, Jeff, both suffered from similar situations mm -hmm. where we were both blackballed. You by Hollywood, me by the so-called news media. But there is a difference in us because I once heard you say, and I'll never forget this story, and I've told it, if I've told it once, I've told it a thousand times to my friends. You said that someone once came up to you and said, as a smart guy, a Hollywood producer that you are, go back to your country. Well, it hasn't happened once. Uh, it's happened multiple times. And often multiple times people go, what part of Mexico are you from? And I'm like, I'm not from, I'm from Colorado. Well, what about your parents? What part of Mexico are they from? They're from uh, uh, Southern Colorado. My dad, New Mexico. My, well, your grandparents, what part of Mexico are they from? I'm like, they're from New Mexico. Well, your great grand, I'm like, dude, go back to 1590. Go back 13 generations. And then my family came from Spain. I mean, it's 2022. If you're asking that question, I'm, I would ask the question, what are you? Right? Because I'm Jeff. I'm, you know, I don't have to identify as Latino. I, I don't eat Mexican food every night. You know, I probably like uh, uh, Italian more than Mexican. Does that make me a bad Mexican? Of course not. You know, I'm all these things. I've traveled. I was literally thinking today about where I haven't been, right? Because I've been to St. Petersburg and and to uh, uh, the Parthenon and the Pantheon and, and to uh, Machu Picchu. And I mean, literally around the world. That's one of the things my wife instilled on me and my kids, expose them to the world and they will come out great kids. Final question. Is the Garcias the end of the road? Does it prove that, oh, we won. We finally get to tell our story. Americans are not going to understand us. No. They're not going to see us for who we are. No, it's the beginning of the road, not the end. Like way far from the end of the road. Hollywood has a tendency to copy success. And I only, like when there was friends, they had 20 you know, clones of friends. We have no shortage of stories in our community. So I hope Hollywood reaches out and says, wow, we can actually do shows that Latinos will embrace. And by the way, non-Latinos too. The, the original Brothers Garcia was in 60 different countries. My favorite story was we were in France once and a British couple came up and found out that I was, I produced the show and the guy says, you know, my wife and sons and I, we watch the Brothers Garcia every Sunday in London and I, and I must say we love it as a family and, and I call my wife mi amor. Right? And I was like, there you go. That's how it works. Right? I call my wife, mi amor. Here's this British guy calling his wife, mi amor. He embraced who we are. The show is about letting everybody embrace who we are and to know that this is not even the tip of the tip of the iceberg. There is so much more to be done. And, you know, we, we nested five new shows inside the Garcia, called them Easter eggs. And that's our next uh, game plan is to roll those shows out. This is the uh, first act, not the third. Thank you, Jeff Valdez, for a great fight, for doing what you've done for really the truth and for the Garcias. Rick, thank you. It's always a pleasure to see you, brother. And you too. So search for the Rick Sanchez Latitude on whatever app you use when you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify. We're on all of them. I'm Rick Sanchez. And this is the Latitude, which stands for... Latino attitude. Let's get after it. Dale. The Rick Sanchez Latitude is a production of Agua Media, created, hosted, and executive produced by Rick Sanchez. 
You can find a full list of credits in our show notes. Agua. 